Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so grateful that you are joining me today for a conversation with my new friend, Lila Smith. And Lila is the creator of the Say Things Better method of intentional communication. As a former actress, Lila transformed ages-old acting tools into a process anyone can follow when it's truly important for their communication and storytelling to connect. Born and raised in New York City, Lila now lives in Dallas, and travels around the world training communicators in her method and speaking to audiences about how to achieve sustainable success through intentional communication. And Lila is uh, spreading her message worldwide. She has 29,000 followers on LinkedIn. I am one of them. I've been following some of her content. We had many connections in common and finally got a chance to talk today. So Lila, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to finally get to talk to you one-on-one, even though there are other people who are going to be listening to this. This is It's cool because it's our first real conversation. So we're going to be discovering things about each other as people are listening. And that's always exciting to me. Yeah, it's true. And uh, it's funny, we've already kind of hit it off and started talking. And it's one of those times where I had to make sure I hit record because we're going to run out of time. (laughs) uh, Because you're already teaching me things about LinkedIn and communication that uh, I didn't know. So I've already been getting value out of this conversation. And I do like to treat these as Hey, I'm having a conversation with you and people do get to listen in. Of course, I'm always thinking about what would our listeners want to hear. And right now, I think our listeners might want to hear, well, who is Lila? What does she do? What is her story? So let's start with that. You know what's so funny is that that's the hardest question for people to answer. Yeah. Like, who are you? And it's, it used to be hard for me too, because I had these pieces of my life that seemed to be disjointed. I was an actress my whole life, really, but professionally for 10 years in New York City and around the United States of America on several tours. And then in my day job, because actors need a day job to make sure we have consistent income, where some people were bartending or waiting tables. I had a career in e-commerce and marketing. So I had like this regular civilian life on one side of me, which you know developed the business part of my brain and enables me to be a manager and strategist. And then the other part of me was 
this creative professional, a performer who got to show who I am through somebody else's words. And all of this kind of adding up to about, you know, 100% of the things that I like to do, but only 50% at a time. So, you know, it's half fulfilled acting, half fulfilled managing and running an e-commerce department until I met Kristen Sherry on LinkedIn, uh, got some career coaching and found out that I could actually put the pieces of my life together and just be this person who communicates, who helps other people to develop who they are, who teaches people how to say things better by putting intention behind it the way that I did in theater, but for them in business. So the parts of my life that used to be in different places started to merge. And it's only been since that happened in the last year and a half, uh, almost two years, that I'm finally realizing who I am. And it's only standing in this place now, knowing all of my potential, that I'm able to really, truly develop talent in others. I love that. And it's, it's interesting because so many people can go down the road of a career and even be, quote, successful in that they're getting promoted or making money. And don't really truly stop to think, well, who am I? Do I like this? My story, if someone asks you who you are and you just say the job that you do or the company that, that you work for, that's what you identify with, which is okay. But it, it is hard to really help others if you don't even really know yourself. Yeah. We're not, we're not present to what our experience is a lot of the time. So when I work with leaders now to, you know, in talent development, in communication training, I help them to find the things that are authentic to themselves. And a lot of them have never even thought to ask, what do I think? What do I feel? What are my values? And so they're trying to shove their communication into this box of what they think it should be because they've seen somebody else be successful that way. They've seen leaders who are very powerful commanding presence, or they've seen leaders who really care and take the time to develop and spend time with people emotionally that a lot of them don't have the capacity for, don't have the patience for. And I think that that's the wrong way to do it. So I help people find what it is that you are as a communicator. Who are you? What are your values? And how can you activate them so that your, your communication and growth are sustainable? That your connections happen the way they'll happen from you, not from somebody else who was successful because that's them. Well, let's get into that a little bit and start taking some action here. How do I really discover that? How do I figure out who I am and how to communicate that to other people? Well, I have a system. I'm, I'm now certified as a UMAP coach. Uh, UMAP is a four-pillar process developed by Kristen Sherry, who I mentioned before, as my career coach. And it takes into account your strengths, your preferred skills. So not just things that you're good at, but things that you're good at and you like doing them. Because we all know... We have burnout skills too, stuff that you're good at. So you end up doing it, but you hate it. Oh, and more and more people keep assigning it to you, right? That's the thing. Like, oh, well, Lila is really good at talking to people. And you're like, Lila's great in sales. I've always been the top in sales. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I stand behind whatever it is that I'm doing. I hate sales. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do it anymore, um, but I also don't have to. And that's another topic for another, and maybe another time in this conversation. But yeah. You take your strengths, the things that are natural to you, your personal values that are always going to be the same because that's part of your heart, the skills that you enjoy, and the way that you're wired, your personality. We're just some of us wired for different kinds of success than others. So this four-pillar system is one way that people can find true self-awareness and a great jumping-off point from where to communicate 
But also there are some very simple things that you can do right now. Just take inventory of your life. No matter what the job was that you've had, the role title, the time of your life. It could be when you were a child, how you interacted with your parents, with your friends, with people who would come over, with strangers, with your siblings. Did you take more of a protective role? Did you take the role of the entertainer? Did you take the role of um, responsibility? Or were you the person who was task-oriented or doing labor? Were you the one to build things or the one to, to design things? Find the things that you've always done. Take inventory of your life and see where you were doing things that you felt proud of, that you felt excited about, and that you would love to do some version of again. If you go back in time, you'll see those dots start to connect themselves. And that's really a great map of who you are. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. We sometimes forget that we are so shaped and influenced by our childhood, our parents, our upbringing, our friends that we grew up with. And while some of us, I mean, I've personally been investing a lot in personal development, making changes over the last three, four years, uh, a lot of people don't go down that road and they stay the same and they don't realize that the decisions they make are often informed by the stories they tell themselves, which come from that childhood they had. And so they're not really taking time to truly understand themselves. That the childhood they had, the culture they grew up in. Often, you know, I've got a client right now whose culture doesn't value art unless it can be sold. But she's an artist and so much a part of her. And she's doing something else now professionally. But I'm trying to help her communicate through art or use it to, to integrate it into some of her processes right now so that she can enjoy them more because it's so much a part of how she can communicate. And not everybody has that. Not everybody has the ability to express themselves visually. So if you have that, what a superpower and leaving it on the shelf meant leaving part of her leadership value on that shelf, collecting dust instead of being something that really sets her apart. So finding those things too, that are the things that culturally we've learned to dismiss as unvaluable if it can't convert to some kind of bottom line number, okay, look, I'm not going to unlearn somebody's cultural values for them. But what I can do is work within their value system, within their value structure, to find ways of attaching what they understand as value to the things that they have that are valuable. So just like that, how do you then involve visual artistic communication in how you lead a department? Yeah. Well, let's talk about communication. So I know you work with a lot of uh, large companies and talent HR organizations on improving communication. A lot of times those 
groups are involved in corporate communication or communicating strategy, culture, changes, things down to the rest of the organization. And a lot of times it's not working, right? Yeah. You've done a lot of study of communication. You come from this theater background. You know, how does that inform what you do? And, and how do we communicate better using that, those lessons? Well, let's play a game if you're up for it. I like games. Okay. And this is something that people will be able to hear because we communicate um, verbally and we're able to hear each other's voices. And there's a lot in there besides the words that we're using right. that people take in of our communication. And we communicate non-verbally too, but if someone's just listening, they'll still be able to get the value of hearing this exercise. So in theater, we have lines, which are sentences that a playwright has written, and we are to memorize them as actors and then say them out loud. And if you do that and you just say the line uh, without any kind of intention behind it, let's say the line is, that will be sufficient. Okay, so the line, and I just said it, that will be sufficient. Yep mean anything until I take my personal context as a human being bring it out through that line. So that context, we direct with verbs. One of the things that we can choose to do is to intimidate somebody else with our communication. Another thing is to uplift, to encourage, to cherish, to to dismiss. And you can hear those verbs in my saying each of them. So I'm going to ask you to give me that line. That will be sufficient. Mm-hmm. That's your line. That will be sufficient. Are you off for it? Have you memorized it? I've memorized it. I'm ready to go. Okay. So that will be sufficient. And now I want you to deliver that line to me as your scene partner, or as I say, your communication partner. Deliver that line to me with the intention to comfort. Oh, Lila, that will be sufficient. Beautiful. And now do it to dismiss. Yeah, that'll be sufficient. Yeah, you can hear the difference. You can hear the difference and the words have not changed. Yep. So that, that tone, that thing that's so hard for people to capture couldn't be easier. It couldn't be easier and it couldn't be more scalable because all you have to do is attach something that we all understand the basic meaning of. I mean, it's going to sound a little bit different when I comfort someone than when you comfort someone. Sure. The end result is going to be that the person we speak to has been comforted because we set our intentions to do that. So when I work with big organizations, one of the key things that I have to start with is what's the heart and soul of this organization? What are your values? Starting there. And I have a program called Verb Your Values. It's a workshop that's very popular that we go in and we find all of the elements of your culture. And we say, if we just distill this down to a set of three verbs, and I do think you should limit it at three, but I think you should not go under three. You want to have things that you can use at different times to check your work as a communicator. I have five steps of intentional communication within the Say Things Better method. This is also a method of making sure that the ball doesn't get dropped, that the fingers aren't pointed in blame, and that we're really making sure we're accountable to our part, our responsibility in the communication within an organization. But the fifth step for your values is where we take these verbs of an organization And we tell all the managers, these are the agreements that you want to make. And tell your employees, tell your teams, and ask them what those mean to them. So that people can really start to see where the disconnects are. What does it mean to you to challenge somebody? What does it mean to you to confront? And what's the difference? So that we can check our work and our communication and make sure that we're being challenging and not confrontational if the verb that's one of our values is to challenge. So that's some of the some of the work that I do for big companies. That's the simplest thing that makes the biggest impact. And I always get these 
kind of jaw dropping, like, that's what you came here to tell us. <laughs> easy thing. Um, and then I get these emails and these recommendations on my LinkedIn profile immediately. In, in the days following, I tried this out and it changed everything about my communication. And I didn't have to go through months and months of training for this. It's just a verb, but it changes everything. It changes how people feel around me. It changes the impact that I've made. And these are the results I've gotten. And I love those. I, I mean, I live for that stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things that they say is, you know, it's simple, but not necessarily easy. And yeah. I've learned from the work I've done in personal development, following someone like Tony Robbins, who wrote about this three decades ago, that our language determines our outlook, our mindset, how we see life, how we treat others. And so many people don't think about the language they use, whether they have, you know, a victim mindset about things, or they're using verbs that might offend other people versus something that might you know, empower, instill confidence and inspire other people. And so you're helping them distill their culture down to what these words, these keywords, these verbs are and having them put it in the right language to probably give them confidence as well as the confidence of the people they're, they're working with, right? And for themselves, you know, you brought up before the stories that we tell ourselves, limits that we create based on our context. And if we do an audit of our self-talk and we use the same verbs on ourselves to say, okay, am I communicating with intention to myself right now? Would I talk to another person this way? You start to identify where your communication to yourself is different than it is to other people. You see the difference when you're being intentional in one area and you're not being intentional in another. You can feel it. You can feel it. You hear it more clearly in your own voice and in your own thoughts. So if I'm trying to affirm, to connect, and to empower you, which are my three value verbs, and then I go and I talk myself down about the way that I look on video or about how overwhelming it is to really wrap my head around tax structure or something as I change my business and how then maybe I don't have any role to having a business to begin with. I mean, these are real thoughts that I have. And I'm a leader in this industry. People are leaders in all kinds of industries and tell themselves these stories, these negative stories. But if I'm constantly going to affirm, to connect, to empower somebody else, it becomes glaringly obvious to me when I'm not doing that for myself. And I feel the dissonance. And it helps me to check my stories. Helps me to check my self-talk too. Yeah. I want to pull something out there too. You said the, you know, the stories we tell ourselves, would we talk to other people that way? And I think a lot of people are not aware of the way they talk to themselves, communicate to themselves. But if you're going around in your head saying, well, you're not worthy of this, or you can't handle this, or you're, you're not that very good at that, you wouldn't say that to your friends, your colleagues. Like, hey, Lila, you're, you don't deserve to be on this podcast right now, even though that might be what I'm telling myself. So we need to think about how we talk to ourselves as well as how we talk to others. You wouldn't say it to someone you hate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you could take the worst person on earth and you would not say to their face, you have no right doing this. You have no place in your industry. You wouldn't say you might write it online, you know, sneakily, like one of those um, ghostwritten editorials, or you might say something in a comment. Yeah. You might like, troll the president or something if, you, if that's what you felt strongly about. But I bet if you were in person <laughs> in front of a space, you'd do a selfie. Right. You, would, you wouldn't say it. 
This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. So for people in organizations, you know, that might be in talent development, thinking about a leader who has risen to a certain place because he or she is very talented and gets work done, but definitely has some communication challenges in, you know, empathizing with employees and really connecting. Do you work with those people? How do you help people that don't naturally connect and communicate well with others to, to improve that? Well, not everybody's going to be the same kind of communicator. And right. not everybody's going to be the same kind of leader. So I'm not the person to come to you to say, please make this person empathetic because I don't think you can do that. What I can do is say, here's, let's identify what you need in order to trust somebody's value. And here's what other people that you are talking to are going to need in order to trust yours. And trust is really a key word because that's how we get things done. And that's how we maintain our relationships. So there are people in my life that I know are very data-driven and KPI-driven and are not the kind of people who are going to be listening to one of my long stories. And in fact, they might check out if I'm doing this. So is it for them to say, uh, okay, I have to find a way to focus on Lila and her story, which is then going to burn them out? I don't think that's the most sustainable way to develop someone's communication. So I'm going to recommend self-advocacy. Be clear with the people on your team and who follow you. These are my values. This is what I appreciate about your work. And find a systematic way of tracking those things so that you can be affirmative in a way that makes sense to you. Hey, your KPIs were met. Here are some things that I've seen that have resulted in great returns from you. I want to commend you for doing that and ask you to continue. So that kind of compliment will bring people into a bonded relationship with you without you having to do something that feels inauthentic. Not everybody's going to be the warm and fuzzy type, but that doesn't mean that they can't lead warm and fuzzy people. They just have to do it their way. And advocating for your style of communication might mean saying to people, I'm really excited about joining your team because I think I bring this stuff to the table. So know this about me. Know this, that when I am short, it's because I'm excited. Know this about me. That when I'm asking for the numbers, it's because I need those in my head to be able to justify something. And I have a challenge following a long story. So if you want to present a story, please also track the data of it so that I can see it the way that I visualize it. Ask for information the way you need to see it in order to be able to advocate for others. Rather than trying to fit yourself into a box of the empathetic leader, just ask for the information so that you can understand it. Because empathy really is just about understanding. Right. So don't try to change the way you are. But there are people that probably need to make some changes to 
learn how to give more compliments, more affirmations, because a lot of times we know from both working in organizations that uh, while salary and benefits and uh, security are very important to employees and attracting them to a job and keeping them there. But what really motivates people oftentimes is knowing that they're making a difference, they're getting credit for what they're doing. And there are a lot of employees out there who are languishing because their boss never says, great job or affirms anything that they're doing. Well, the boss is one person who needs to be um, you know, self-advocating and the employees are others. So sometimes when I go into an organization, I say this to employees, look, you're not going to always be able to pick your boss. Your boss doesn't communicate this way. If you need this kind of affirmation, you need to ask for it. But you also have to accept that it's going to come from him or her like this. We cannot change the people that we work with. But yes, it's important that people receive affirmation. I think sometimes people who are in leadership positions forget about that because they're bottom line driven and they're just trying to get there as fast as they can and forgetting about the people who make that happen can happen. So it's one thing to develop someone's communication style. It's another thing to incorporate that kind of affirmation, that kind of people focus into an incentive structure, into what's expected. The expectations of a role to develop people if you're in a management position should be there. You should be there to develop people. That doesn't mean you have to do it the way everybody else does, but the expectations should be there that you should have a certain approval rating amongst your team, amongst your employees. So you can advocate for the way that you give them those things, but it's still on the company to structure what those expectations are. You're having this many one-on-one meetings per month. You're at this kind of approval rating. Uh, Imagine if there were approval ratings for bosses outside of Glassdoor that live inside your organization so that you can actually see how safe people feel approaching you about things. And then using that as as a gauge for where the training and development has to come in. So we've talked a lot about the the foundation for all of this, like knowing your story, understanding yourself, the, the things that you tell yourself versus how you communicate with others, the verbs that you use, not really necessarily changing yourself, but thinking about how you interact with others. If we think about communication and communicating effectively, is there more general advice that you often give um, that might be true for a lot of different people? Like how do I, how do people listening... Uh, What are some things we can do to start communicating more effectively after today? So the five steps of the Say Things Better method, check the content of your work. And the fifth one, that verb, your values, checks the tone. So I can go through the five steps of the method. I think it's a great tool for checking to make sure that you're including what you should and not including what you shouldn't. This is actually something that um, I'll tell a a short anecdote first. Uh, There's a, a manager who is kind of insecure and really likes to be liked, wants to be seen as the compassionate leader, the one who cares. Let's call her Lila Smith. (laughs) And she's running a department of people she has very high expectations of. And when they get into interpersonal conflicts, like, oh, I can't work with Adam. Adam is very, uh, very blunt in his communication and it hurts my feelings a lot. And so I don't want to collaborate with him. So when an employee tells manager Lila that, and Lila's just trying to be liked herself rather than actually take action on this problem, one thing that Lila might do is include a lot of apologetic language. So apologizing for our standards is something that we can all avoid right away. We are all, all on the same page about what's expected. So if somebody has missed a deadline because they couldn't collaborate with a coworker because they didn't like them, 
that's a problem. So how do you, how do you treat that? Insecure manager, Lila, might say, I'm so sorry that you have to work with Adam. I know his communication style is really rough and I know it hurts your feelings, but please find a way to get along with him this week. You know, I really need this stuff to get done. And it's just like, I can't have the acrimony in the office. It feels bad for everybody. And so just please try. And that actually contains zero actionable advice. It contains... Um, please try. That's not actionable advice. Please try. No, it isn't. Right. <laughs> like, well, I, I probably feel like I've been trying. If I'm not yeah. And Adam's the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stop Adam. You've already, and then you also have thrown Adam under the bus because you acknowledged that his communication style is a problem rather than making it the responsibility of the employee to find a way to relate to what Adam's strengths actually are. So understanding how each employee works should be part of the content too. And the content of your complaint here is that the deadline was missed, but it was actually buried under all of those apologies. So the employee then leaves feeling like, oh, I guess I should try to get, a, you know, get along with Adam, but they haven't been held accountable for their missed deadline. You mentioned it, but I bet everybody listening has forgotten that I did. So a better way to do that is to check. Have I included context? So providing why are we having this meeting? It's because the deadline was missed. Some kind of acknowledgement of what the challenge is. So I know that you prefer to communicate with Devin because Devin is very friendly. But Adam is actually our subject matter expert in this field. And you're going to be needing to communicate with him moving forward. So stressing the importance. So it's not just so making sure that they know that it's not arbitrary and addressing the KPI that was missed. And then you want to go into a strategy in, so that you're developing the person too. So you're addressing the challenge, but you're telling them why it's important. And then you're telling them how. So the how might be, Adam is blunt, yes, but just know this about him. He really is KPI driven. So if you can communicate with him this week around what his KPIs are, in terms of what you can do to help him reach those, you might be more effective in collaborating with him. And just prepare yourself for short conversations. Try to keep them short so that he can just give you the data, receive it back, and get the work done really quickly. That way, your deadline isn't something you're pushing off because you dread the conversation. It's something that happens really fast because he's really efficient. So lean on his strengths, give him what he needs, and so you empower that employee with the awareness, not only of themselves, but of their other team members. You're holding them accountable. You're giving them the context. You're acknowledging the challenge and you're giving them the strategy. And then you're holding them accountable to what your expectations of them are. Rather than burying things in an apology for having to be confrontational, you're turning, you're turning this into an empowerment opportunity for yourself, but also for that employee. So that the same conversation doesn't have to be had over and over again. Right. Give them the tools. If you're not giving them the tools, you haven't done your job in this in this case. So the five steps of the Say Things Better method will be the things that you can use to check your work to make sure you're doing that. Number one is your motivation. So the thing that drives you to be effective in your communication, the thing that takes the insecurity off your plate, which is what's the purpose that you're doing this in the first place? Why is it so important to you to get buy-in from your team members, that they all work effectively? Ultimately, it's going to be so that they serve the purpose of the company, that you're in alignment with that, and that the vision that you have for your life is supported by this work. 
have your personal stakes very close at hand. They're keeping you from flying off the handle. They're keeping you from rushing through a situation that could be turned into an empowerment moment if you're not just trying to get it over with. So keeping your motivation in mind, those stakes for you, that's really important. Step two is setting one objective for one communication event. If this is my one opportunity to have a one-on-one with you, I'm going to help you learn how to communicate with Adam so that I can serve my objective. My objective is to get the next deadline met. And this meeting, my objective for this meeting is to empower you with the tools that you need to make that happen. And that's going to be in service of my motivation. Because when you make it happen, I'm successful at whatever I'm trying to do in in the grand scheme of my life. The third step is your communication partner's objective. The employee that you're talking to who needs some development, what do they need right now? They do need to be acknowledged for the challenges that they've gone through. They need the affirmation that they can do it. And they need the empowerment. They need the tools. But what is their objective for coming into this meeting right now? Because they could quit. They could walk out the door. In theater, we we learned this, that it's the actor's job to keep the other actor on the stage. Even if they feel they haven't, you know, that that actor has already achieved their objective, if your objective has not been met yet, you keep that other actor on the stage and you do anything it takes to keep them from walking out the door. When you cold call, somebody who picks up the phone has an objective for staying on that phone call because otherwise they would hang up. They need to be the face of the company. They're being held to certain standards and in order to be compensated. So that person's objective might just be to succeed in this company. So you want to give them in that meeting all of the ways that you can give them of being successful in this company. That's where number four comes in. That's your toolbox. What do I have that's unique to me in my position right now? So maybe it's my understanding of all the different people on my team. Maybe it's knowing how Adam communicates, that I can express to my employee, that I can empower her or him to say, here's what you can do to be successful. And if this this understanding is something that I have, that's something I'm pulling out of my toolbox to fix the problem that they have, which is I've been called into a meeting and I'm nervous I won't be successful at this company anymore. And people who have those insecurities, who aren't supported and developed, leave and start fresh somewhere else that people don't know about their failures yet. And so that's where you also can protect yourself from churn and turnover. And then that fifth step, verb your values. When you're providing feedback in order to be compassionate, people often do default to the apologetic language. I'm so sorry that these are our standards and you're having trouble meeting them. doesn't actually work. But if you approach with compassion and you want to pick a verb like to affirm, Keep that verb in your mind. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to say, I'm here to affirm you. But just to keep it close to the front of your mind so that when words come out of your mouth, they're coming out through this filter, this lens that comes from your values anyway. Find something that is positive within your values and activate that in your communication. To affirm, you just decide to something the person that you're talking to, your communication partner. And that's why my verbs are to affirm so that when I'm giving sometimes very harsh, very fast and hard feedback, and people pay me a lot of money to do this, go through my messaging and tear it apart. I will do that for anybody, but I'm not going to do it without giving them the tools that they need to build it back up in the right way. And that's where my verb to empower 
comes in. I'm giving the tools. And the to affirm means, look, here are the things that you're doing right. Here are the opportunities for growth in this area. Here are all of the things that you're missing. Let's go get them for you rather than here are the ways in which you failed. So your tone is affected by your intentions. I only suggest that you set those intentions before you communicate. That's great. I'm just taking lots of notes over here on everything (laughs) you're saying. You know, I like that you use the story to put things in context and then the five steps of the Say Anything Method, motivation, set one objective for one communication event, communication, partner's objective, the toolbox, what do I have that's unique to me in my position right now, and your verb to values, which is interesting. I never thought about things that way, but you go into any interaction with some type of objective. You know, for us today, it was to get to know each other and because I wanted to give you a place to communicate some of your expertise to to help the audience, right? And so, you know, my verb for this interaction would probably be curiosity because I want to learn from you. To ask, to learn, to interview, to connect. So it's about you. It's about the way that you are going to get the value from me to share with your audience. So that's going to be different for you than it's going to be for somebody else. Somebody else might think to interview... Uh, When one of their preferred skills is interview for information, or when information is one of their values, then to interview might be their verb. Yours feels like to befriend, to connect, to draw, or, you know, to extract, (laughs) Uh, pull things out, to direct also, because you're great at guiding, or, or to captain. I love this. To captain is one of David McLennan's verbs. He's in my Say Things Better Mastermind right now. Yeah. And he's another awesome talent development professional you should speak with. He has a system that he uses to go into develop culture within an organization in a sustainable way. So you've got to talk to him at some point too. I'll introduce him. Okay. But I love that one of his verbs is to captain. One is to reveal, to reveal the opportunities, to reveal the potential. And one is to revitalize, to bring new life. Unbelievable to think about revitalizing another person with your communication. You could be having a communication event that is an interview or is a discussion, but it's going to be your values that make it sound like you and that make it feel good to the other person in a way that you will, as opposed to the way that Mary Henderson will or Craig Thomason. I've been on both of their podcasts as well. and. I feel great on all three of them, but you each make me feel a different way. Right. We, have, we all have different personalities, different approaches, and uh, maybe even different objectives for what we want to get out of the, the interaction. It's interesting. And I heard you on both of those podcasts and have talked to both of them, uh, which is great. I'm curious. Uh, we just have a few minutes left. You know, As you work with people uh, in you know, corporate world, talent development, and you think about communication... Are there any big trends that you're following or noticing in how people communicate? Certainly technology has a big impact on that, right? With digital and social media and everything. What are the big trends that are, that are impacting communication these days? Yeah, I think digital is huge because people forget that we can still be intentional in our communication in a digital landscape. So even just keeping the verbs in mind reminds you that when you're in a chat with somebody, when you're on a Slack thread, when you're on a Trello board, when you're in an email, when you're not having the conversation where you can actually hear somebody's voice, it's actually more important to activate your intentions at those times, to check your work, to make sure, did I include everything I could from my toolbox in this communication event 
so that my communication partner knows how to achieve their objectives and what the expectations are of mine. So when you go through all of those steps, it keeps your, your communication processes efficient without losing that personal touch. The other trend that I'm seeing, and I'm loving seeing this, I've been talking about it this whole episode, is the really personalized approach to development. So when we develop our communication styles or we develop our, our leadership styles, there are systems like UMAP in place now where people are learning how to leverage people's strengths rather than how to filter them out. So let's say you're looking at a DISC profile and you know nothing against DISC, but it's limited. And it tells us basically what someone's not qualified to do. And I totally disagree with that approach. I think if you understand what somebody's strengths are and how they're wired, you can pick the things that are strong about them and create a leadership profile with that. And then you want to build the rest of your team around that to complement those strengths. So you can grow your team, you can grow your company using the talent that you do have and developing them by bringing the right people into the right roles to begin with, rather than filtering people out because they're not the right fit or they discover over time later because they just didn't have that awareness to begin with. That I, I love this trend of starting at the root of a person and giving them strategies that are aligned with exactly who they are to be successful within a corporation and in their whole life. I love that as well. Um, Lila, is there a book or other resource that you recommend for people to learn more about communicating effectively in some of these things? Definitely follow me on LinkedIn. It's, you can find the Say Things Better company page on LinkedIn. And you can also find Lila Smith on LinkedIn and follow my content. I put up a lot of media files there. So podcasts like this one are linked to my profile. There's a ton of free development information that I've gone through in podcasts like this one that are there. So go and take advantage of those resources. I also have the Savings Better Mastermind, which is for entrepreneurs who want to find ways of getting ahead by developing their message, their personal brand, and their understanding of what communication strategies will work for them. And also for entrepreneurs, if people are starting a company and they're startup co-founders, it would be a great place for them to, to develop their leadership style and also their company values, their company voice. So I've got those resources that people can take advantage of. And I would say if you haven't read the book UMAP yet, I've been talking about it a lot in this episode, check it out. It's definitely the most comprehensive and intuitive assessment set and approach to interpreting those assessments that I've seen. And that's UMAP by Kristen Sherry? Yeah, UMAP uh, by Kristen Sherry. The website there is myumap.com and that's spelled out Y-O-U. So myumap.com and you can go to saythingsbetter.com, of course, and email Lila, L-I-L-A, at saythingsbetter.com if you want to work with me. Got it. Boy, this has been uh, so fantastic, Lila. There's so many more things we could talk about, we could communicate about. I have many more questions. We'll have to keep in touch and do it another time. We do have to wrap up now. Lila, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share some of your advice, experience, methods, and wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners do as well. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new talent development think tank membership community. 
Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.